All right. Thank you, folks. Appreciate that. Take your Bibles, if you would, tonight and turn to Luke chapter 1 and verse 17. Luke chapter 1, verse 17. While you're turning in your Bibles, uh, first of all, I, I think we have a name for this quartet. I think they should be called the socially distanced quartet. Amen. Because <clears throat> they did it right. They did it properly. That's good. The other thing is I'd like to thank the, the few uh, that uh, have been coming in to help make this broadcast possible. I just I, I, I appreciate that very much. And I also appreciate folks that I know we've got folks in our church who haven't missed a service yet. And uh, you uh, have, become, have been very, very faithful to make sure that, uh, that, that you're on. So uh, I, I, I appreciate that so much. I can't wait for things to go back to normal. I can't wait to have real church again, you know, where we're all gathered together. And, uh, you know, maybe one of the reasons why this is, is taking place from the Lord's standpoint for us is that we just really appreciate uh, the, the, the church that we have, the opportunity, the freedom that we do have. Uh, you really appreciate freedom when it's taken away for a short period of time because of because of extenuating circumstances, and that's, that's what has happened with this coronavirus. Luke chapter 1, verse 17, I'd like to ask you all to stand if you would. <clears throat> this, is, this, this verse is speaking of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was the one who prepared the way in Israel for Jesus Christ to come. He, his whole ministry was getting Israel as a nation ready so that uh, they could receive the Savior. Chapter 1 and verse 17 of the book of Luke, it says, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and, and the, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just uh, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want us to focus particularly on that last part of the verse, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the, the blessings that we have of being able to speak to you, of asking you to speak to hearts <clears throat> during this message. Lord, I'm thankful I've got a book to preach. I'm thankful that the Word of God is is uh, is is uh, not only was not only given by inspiration but kept by preservation. We have it; it's uh, pure, it's it's preserved. It, it uh, Lord is available to every one of us, and we thank you for that. Uh, God, I pray that our hearts would be open tonight. Pray that you would guide and direct and bless this message. Uh, be Lord an encouragement to your people. We ask Father that you would speak to our hearts, and as you speak to us. Lord, may we respond to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. title of this message is Ready or Not. And uh, uh, in, in kind of thinking about uh, John the Baptist and the ministry that he had, his, his whole purpose was not to, not to be the one that, that Israel was waiting for, but to prepare hearts for the one that Israel was waiting for. And the rest of the story is, is that though he came to prepare hearts and though he came to uh, allow people to, to get ready 
uh, they, they really weren't ready to receive the Savior. Um, he had, he had uh, a, a, a ministry of preparation, and he was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And, and it says that the reason for that was to, to make ready a people prepared for, for the Lord. They were to be ready for the Lord to come. And the bottom line is, is that God wants us ready uh, at all times. And, and uh, just like Israel needed it to be ready for the, the Savior to come, and because they weren't ready, their hearts weren't ready, uh, they responded. They responded in a in a uh, wrong and an ill way. Uh, it's important that we be ready for the things that God has for us. He wants us to be ready for Him. You know, so so many times we we pray, and I, I find myself doing this even myself. We pray and we ask the Lord. We say, Lord, uh, please use me, use me. Well, the truth of the matter is, if we're usable, God's going to use us every time. But it's our responsibility to be ready, and that means to be usable. There's, there's nothing that's more frustrating than uh, wanting to use something in your house, whether it be a tool or whether it be a, an appliance, and you walk over to it, and you either grab the tool or you go touch the button for the appliance, and you, you, you look at the tool and the tool is damaged. You look at the you look at the appliance and it just looks back at you and doesn't do a thing, even though you you touch the buttons. And uh, there's there's no power to the thing. It just you know it's not usable. If it were usable, you would use it. Well, that's the way it is with us and God. If we're usable, I'll guarantee you that uh, the God will use us. So we, we need to be ready. We need to be usable for him. Let me give you some things. Uh, let's look at some things tonight together that uh, we ought to be ready in. Take your Bibles first off and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, Look down with me, if you would, in verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. God says that he wants us to be ready and ready to give an answer. Um, it's just not enough to have the right information. You have to have your heart prepared so that you can give out that information when the opportunity arises. I, I can, again, in this very similar type situation to being usable, I can remember the man that led me to Christ uh, made a comment. You know, he says, so oftentimes, he said, we, we ask the Lord to give us opportunities to give the gospel to people when in reality if we're sitting with that person or we're in the same proximity with that person and we've got some time with that individual god has given us the opportunity uh, we need to not so much ask for the opportunity as we do just when the opportunity comes be ready to give an answer. And sometimes that's really what the problem is. It's not that we don't have opportunities to give the gospel, but it's that we're just not ready. 
And in order to be ready, we've got to have a prepared heart. Uh, look with me again at verse 15, then we'll drop down to verse 16 as well. It says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. There's some, there's some things there that God says needs to be true in our hearts in order to have our hearts prepared so that we can give an answer. One of those things is meekness. It talks about the fact that we need to be meek. That just simply means to be surrendered. Uh, not concerned about our own reputation, but concerned about the, the cares and the needs of others. It's, a, it's, a, it's really it's the attitude that Jesus had when he was in the, in the garden before he went to the cross. When he bowed his head to the Father and said, uh, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It's taking your will and taking your desires, putting those things on the altar, and, and uh, telling God that whatever it is that he wants done, that's what you're willing to do. So meekness is one characteristic. Another one is, is fear, is fear. Uh, what stops us, probably more than anything else, from speaking out for the Lord? It's fear. The uh, Bible tells us that, that the fear of man bringeth a snare. And uh, fear, if, if that's the fear that we have, it's a misplaced fear. We, we, uh, we ought to fear disappointing God and not speaking out for him more than, than, we, than we fear what other people may think. And the other thing, the other type of fear that we need to have is, is and I believe this is connected, integrally connected with the fear of the Lord, is being fearful not of people, but fearful for people. If we're more fearful for people, people than we are of people, you know, we'll wave our we'll wave our arms, so to speak, and we'll we'll do everything we can to stop them from going off the cliff of life and going into an eternal hell for all for, forever and ever. Uh, it's, it's important that we have a fear not of them, but a fear for them. And uh, uh, I I remember <clears throat> years ago. I was, uh, I was in Bible college. In fact, it was the first year I was in Bible college, and we, were, we went, down to, went down to Arkansas. In fact, that was the very first time I had ever heard of or seen Toad Suck, Arkansas. What a blessing that was. <laughs> and uh, I found out that that, that, little, that little town in the Toad Suck Ferry, I actually saw that too. And, uh, but I found out that it has, it has national recognition. People all over the country know, to, know about Toad Suck, Arkansas. But while, while we were down in that area, we ended up going into a preacher's house. And this preacher was uh, a preacher for the Church of Christ. Now, if you're not familiar with their beliefs, what they believe is that you have to be baptized to be saved. Uh, they believe that you have to be a part of their church. And uh, they believe these things with all their heart, and they, and they believe that if, if, that, if you do not believe those things, that you'll die and you'll go to hell. We, we began to, to witness to them, myself and this other fella that was in their, in their home. 
And they, I remember, I'll never forget, the preacher looked at me, and he says, you mean to tell me that you think all you have to do is trust Christ, that's it, nothing else, and you'll be saved? And I said, yes, sir, that's exactly what I believe. You know what he did? He looked me right in the face, and he laughed at me. You know what that told me? That told me that he didn't care two hoots and a holler about my soul. Listen, if I know somebody, if I know somebody is going to die and go to hell for all eternity, and they, they tell me that what they believe is exactly the opposite of what the Word of God says, I am not going to sit there with a smile and grin on my face. Boy, if that's your attitude, get your heart right. Uh, we, ought to, we ought to be fearful uh, and, and not mocking of people that believe uh, otherwise. We ought, to have, we ought to have a fearful and a caring heart for them. And then, then the last thing that it says we ought to have in order to be ready to give an answer is not only, not only meekness and fear, but a good conscience. In other words, when you're talking to folks, you're not talking to folks that you, that you owe money to and have defaulted on. You're not talking to folks that, that you have trespassed against, you have been a bad testimony to, and you've never gotten that thing right between you and them. Uh, it's just simply a good conscience is no one can point a finger at you and say, you did me wrong and you never got the thing right or attempted to get the thing right. And so we need to have a good conscience, we need to have fear, and we need to have meekness. And when we have those things, we have sanctified the Lord in our heart and we're ready to give an answer. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Titus chapter 3. Second thing we ought to be ready for. Titus chapter 3. And in Titus chapter 3, I want you to look with me at the first two verses. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Up in verse 1 it says, ready to every good work. God, God expects us to be ready to do all the good that we possibly can do every day of our life. Uh, God isn't looking for celebrities. He's not looking for people with a bunch of talent. He's just looking for people that have a servant's heart. Servant's heart is so important today. We are living in the me generation. We are living in a, in a day and age where it's uh, me first and the rest of you take, take last place. Uh, that's just the attitude that's out there. And we need to have a heart that's prepared to be a servant. There's three things that we find in this text that tells us how we can prepare our hearts. Number one, we can have a prepared heart to be a servant by being uh, and having a submissive attitude toward authority. You know, the, the older I get in the Christian life, and I was convinced of this when I was younger, but I'm more convinced of it now than I've ever been before, that one of the most important areas in a person's life that needs to be developed early, and that's why it's so important 
for parents to teach their children to respect them, to respect other adults, to respect people that are in authority over them. It is, is that attitude of a submissive attitude to authority. In this passage, it says, obey the magistrates. Um, in other words, when, the, when the, the, the rulers tell you to do something, be ready to do it. Uh, we, we just recently said, okay, you know, the governor has brought down a decree that he doesn't want any public worship services. You can go ahead and live stream and so forth, but as far as opening it to the public, that should not happen. And so we immediately closed it down. That ought to be our attitude. Not just we'll obey when we're told to obey, but there needs to be, a, there needs to be an attitude of service where we, we, come to, we, we come to others and we say, how can I serve you? How can I be a blessing to you? Instead of looking for ways that people can help you and instead of looking for ways that people can be a blessing to you, look for ways you can be a blessing to others. Years ago, <clears throat> when I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin, I was the associate pastor there. And um, we had a, a fellow come through that, in fact, actually, when he, when he, uh, he came through, I, I, uh, I had, had met him prior to that. Didn't really know him very well, but he came through for special meetings. His name was Brother Rube Ewert. And uh, he preached a message on having a servant's heart. And I'll never forget the phrase that he said that ought to be a part of our daily vocabulary. And that is, he said, he said you ought to be going up to people that are over you and, or that you stand side by side with and serve and just simply ask them, how can I be a blessing to you today? Uh, what can I do for you today is there any where any way that i can help you today that ought to be that ought to be our attitude and that's a that's a submissive spirit um you know we think we we're, we're really killing a bear if uh if we do what we're told by our authorities the truth of the matter is we not only ought to do what we're told but we ought to do more than what we're told I was encouraged by one of our men <clears throat> when, when we decided to close the, the services to the public because of the decree. One of our men said, you know, you probably, Pastor, ought to, ought to call the, the sheriff and uh, let him know that. And at first, I thought, well, you know, we don't really have to do that. But then I realized, wait a minute, that's, that's not just doing what you're told to do, but going above and beyond what you're told to do. So that's exactly what I did yesterday, and we called and we let the, the sheriff know. Um, we ought to be, as, as Christians, we ought to be known as servants. Uh, we, ought, we ought to be known as people that not only obey authority, but look to be a blessing wherever we can be by a submissive attitude. Another, another thing that prepares us to be a servant is a controlled tongue. It says, speak evil of no man. You know, you know, that attitude alone would absolutely revolutionize our speech. You know, think of this. How would your speech change tomorrow if for the entire day tomorrow, all day Monday, you did not speak evil of one single person? person. 
Can I tell you something? What would happen? It would knock out a lot of our speech. It would knock out a lot about what we talk about. When so-and-so is not around, we talk about so-and-so. And we're, we're oftentimes very, very, very free and very liberal uh, with, our, with our criticisms. How about if we just decide starting tomorrow, we speak evil of no man. Can I tell you this? When you, the more you speak evil of other people, the less you want to serve them. Because what you say affects not only the hearts of others, but can I tell you that what you and I say affect our own hearts. So, so have a submissive attitude. Have a controlled tongue. And then last of all, and this is very similar to what we discussed before, have a gentle, meek spirit to all. You know, and, and uh, uh, the Lord wants us to not only be, have a meek spirit, but have a gentle, gentle spirit. Much today in the name of Christianity is done with a froward spirit. Um, I was talking with one of our men this morning, and they were, they were speaking about uh, churches that he had heard about, that uh, though they had been given the, the decree to not have public services, that they, they have said, no, we're going to have them anyway in spite of that. Um, that's not the right spirit. Now, I realize if, if it begins to infringe what the Bible says we ought to be doing, that's one thing. And, and I know the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of, of ourselves together. However, this is a different kind of situation, and this is a situation where we don't want to put other people in jeopardy. Uh, with this coronavirus going on, uh, we want to do everything we can. I, I would feel so terrible as a pastor and as just an individual if someone got the coronavirus and got sick just because we were careless. I don't want that. I, I, I don't want that at all. And so uh, there's, it's more than just, just having a meek spirit. It's having a gentle spirit and not a froward one a froward spirit is one that's uh, that's uh, unyielding that's ungovernable that should not be thought of when it comes to us as believers in christ uh, god isn't just looking for good works but he's looking for for uh, what sort those works are i believe that when the judgment seat of christ takes place uh, after, after we die and we, we face God at the judgment seat, and there's two judgments that the Bible talks about. There's a great white throne judgment where unsaved people are judged. Then there's the judgment seat of Christ where saved people are judged. And the Bible talks about the fact that we'll be judged for our works. Now, that's not judged to see if whether or not we're going to go in. We're already there. It's judged for rewards. And one of the, one of the key factors in that judgment is what sort they are. That doesn't mean just what type of works did you do, but how did you do them? Where was your heart in the thing? Did you, did you have a servant's heart? So we ought to be ready to do good works and do so with a heart of a servant, with a, with a, with a controlled tongue, and with a meek and a gentle spirit. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the first, with with uh, with the second point of being ready to do good works. 
But this has more to do with our attitude and with our heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look down with me, if you would, in verses 14 and 15. It says, Behold, the third time I am, I am ready to come to you. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. What Paul said was, he, was he, said, he says, I'm looking to be a blessing. He says, I, I don't want to be a burden in any way. My whole purpose of getting together with you, my whole purpose of my ministry to you is to be a help and to be a blessing. He said, even though the more I seem to love you, the less love I get in return from you. In other words, what Paul was saying was that he was ready to be a blessing whether, whether they loved him back for being that blessing or not. It had nothing to do with what, they would get in re, what he would get in return, but it had everything to do with his heart toward them. And again, there are some things that prepare us to be ready to be a blessing. And we ought to be looking. You know, there's a song we have in our, in our song books that says, Make Me a Blessing to Someone Today. Uh, we ought to be we ought to be living our lives on a day by day basis, looking for ways that we can be an encouragement, be a help, and be a blessing to others. There's some things that prepare us for that. First of all, is seeking the benefit of others, not yourself. And that's what Paul said when he said, "I don't want to be a burden to you." He says, "I want to be a blessing." He didn't he didn't look at all at what they could do for him. He only looked at what he could do for them. And then secondly, gladly spend your life for others. Uh, in, in verse 15, he said, I will very gladly spend and be spent. Uh, I'm sure that, that that spending not only cost him time, it cost him money. Uh, I'm sure it cost him effort. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that... Uh, uh, you know, there were times when he sacrificed his own needs and his own desires so that he could be a blessing to, to the churches. And that's exactly what his, what his attitude was. And he said, I'll do so, and I'll do so gladly. He wasn't complaining about it. He wasn't, he wasn't saying, well, I hope you appreciate all the sacrifices that I make for you. That wasn't his attitude at all. He said, listen, I'm, I'm glad to spend my life for you and then last of all he expected nothing in return and and that ought to be that ought to be our desire we ought to we ought to seek the benefit of others do so gladly and not expect a thing in return that's what he meant when he said the more i love you the less i be loved right and we need to realize that the the more you do right the more you have the possibility of being misunderstood and uh, fo folks will, will misunderstand you. You may have the right heart. You may have the right, the right motive, the, the, the right actions, everything. And someone say, I know why you did that. You did that because you got an ulterior motive. Well, hopefully, uh, what they're saying is absolutely untrue of why we did those things. But, but we, we will not allow those accusations to stop us. We won't allow the lack of love to stop us. In other words, the only thing that can stop me from loving you or for you from loving others is you. 
Other people can't stop you. Circumstances can't stop you. You can love people regardless. And that's the kind of, kind of heart that, uh, that the Apostle Paul had. Um, he enjoyed being able to be a peacemaker. He enjoyed being able to go in and straighten out messes. And he, that's exactly what he did in the church at Corinth. With the first letter that he wrote, if you compare those two letters, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, they're as different as night and day. And it's because when he wrote the first letter, that church was an absolute travesty. It was a mess, a bunch of saved people in it, but man, they were living after the flesh. And so he went in and very boldly and very sternly uh, rebuked them and, and told them what they needed to do. Well, 2 Corinthians implies, that's that second, second epistle, uh, implies that they responded right. <laughs> and they, they, they got some things taken care of. And uh, he enjoyed going in and rectifying messes. However, can I, can I warn you? <laughs> you go in and rectify a mess, you get involved and try and help people, and sometimes you won't be received well. Sometimes you'll get hurt. Sometimes, you know, you'll get, you'll get uh, bit, so to speak. Uh, you'll, you'll get your hands dirty. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times I've walked into a situation trying to be a help. And I'm not talking about being, being uh, nosy or sticking your nose in somebody else's business. I'm talking about just being a genuine help. And because someone else is hurt, because someone else has been hurt by others, uh, they misunderstand why you're helping, and they end up with an attitude. They end up, sometimes, they purposely try to hurt you. You know what? That did not stop the Apostle Paul. He knew all those things, and yet he was still willing to and ready to be a blessing to others. Another thing we need to be ready to do, go to 2 Corinthians 10. Back up just a little bit. In 2 Corinthians 12, go to 2 Corinthians 10. And look with me down in verses 3 through 6. Verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice verse 6, And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. He's talking here about when you have sinned and when you have fallen to be able to come back with the attitude of having a desire to revenge that disobedience. In other words, get revenge, and not on people, but get revenge on sin. And again, there's some things we need to do to prepare for, for getting that revenge and having that victory over sin in our lives. First of all, casting down imaginations. Put off any thought that would be contrary to what God would have you to think. I, I'm convinced of this, that, that uh, all warfare in the Christian life starts in the mind, starts in the mind and the heart. It's what we think on. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, uh, thinketh in his heart, so is he. And uh, if we control the thoughts uh, and cast down those wrong thoughts, it doesn't mean the wrong thoughts won't come there, but we need to cast them down. I believe it was Martin Luther who said, you can't stop birds 
from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. Well, that's the kind of way that it is with, with thoughts. You can't maybe stop those thoughts from coming, but when they come and they're the wrong thoughts, you cast them down. Then bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, turn, turn those wrong thoughts into a reminder of prayer. Uh, turn those, those as, uh, as promptings to, to pray and to ask God to help you. Uh, you know, uh, we, we need to make sure that, that our, our thoughts are in line with the things that God would have us to think about. And we need to bring into captivity those thoughts, cast down the wrong ones and grab a hold of the right ones. And then act on thoughts, uh, act properly. You know, what he was talking about here was the fact that there were some folks, there was a particular man that was in sin, and, and uh, he got that thing right. And so what, what Paul is saying here is, you know, cast, cast down those imaginations, and now he says, he says, act on that which is right. You can't act on that which is right until you first cast down the wrong thoughts, bring into captivity the right thoughts, and then... You're prepared to do that which is right and pleasing and honorable to God. And we ought, we ought to be ready to revenge disobedience in our life and anxious to want to do the thing that's right because the thing that was wrong did us so much damage in our Christian life. Go with me over to Romans chapter, chapter 1. Here's another thing that we need to be ready to do, Romans 1. Romans chapter 1. And in Romans chapter 1, look down in verse 15. Romans chapter 1, verse 15. Apostle Paul speaking, he says, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. We need to be, we need to be ready to preach the gospel. We need to not only be ready just to give an answer when, it gives, when the opportunity allows us a chance to do so, but we need to be ready to preach the gospel. We need, we need to realize some things. And if you look back with me in verse 14, this is, this is what Paul's mindset was. He says, I'm a, bet, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the un, unwise. First of all, he looked at himself and he says, you know what? I owe them the gospel. It's not just something that I do out of the goodness of my heart. It's, a, it's an obligation. Uh, Paul looked at that thing and says, you know, if, I, if I've got the gospel, I owe it to other folks who are not yet saved to give them the gospel. And the, the bottom line is this. If you don't do it, who's going to? You know, the first, first time I ever, ever, ever in my life, 17 years living in Rochester, New York, first time in 17 years that I ever got given a gospel tract was the night I got saved. The first time I ever heard about salvation in my whole life was when I got saved that night. And I know that's unusual, but God had already prepared my heart and had me ready. But uh, uh, the truth is, if you and I don't give them the gospel, no, no one else will. Romans 13 verse 8 says, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. And one of the greatest loves you can have for someone is to, to realize that you owe them 
the, the opportunity to, to trust Christ as Savior, and we need to tell them. In verse 16, it says this, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also the, to the Greek. We, we should not be ashamed. No matter what others may think, it's the right thing to do. They may, they, may, they may get upset with you. They may end up changing their relationship with you and no longer be your friend because you give them the gospel. But it's the, it's the right thing to do. We should not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. And then also in that same verse, it says it's the power of God unto salvation. Listen, I... I, I <clears throat> I, I often, when I have the opportunity to witness, and when I go door to door and, and so forth, um, I, I often get nervous to this day. And I've been saved for many, many years. And I, I still get nervous. And, uh, and I still wonder after, and some of you have gone through the same thing. You know, after you give the gospel to somebody, you say, oh, you know what? I should have said this, and I should have said that, and I should have given them this, and I should have given them that, and I could have used this illustration, but I didn't. Well, the truth of the matter is, it's not your presentation or mine that's powerful. It's the gospel that's powerful. It's, it's the scripture that's sharper than any two-edged sword. That's why it's so important for us when we do witness to give folks scripture, because that's what's going to work on their hearts. It's, it, it's powerful. And all we simply are are the tools. All we simply are are the channels. We're the witnesses that give them that gospel. So realize that you own the gospel. Realize that we should not be ashamed of Jesus Christ nor the gospel of Christ. And, and realize that it's the message that's powerful, not us. And that'll prepare our hearts to be ready to preach the gospel. Then the last thing, if you turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24. And look at me down in verse 44. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 44. Lord Jesus is speaking. He says, Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. What we need to be ready for is we need to be ready for Jesus Christ to come at any moment. Um, we need to be watching we need to be expectant of the fact that he is going to come. In fact, the Bible calls it the blessed hope. Um, the, the truth is, is that there's never been a time in my lifetime when, when all of the things that, are, you know, that, that could very easily usher in the seven-year tribulation period right after the saved people are taken up in, in the rapture, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, all the things that, are, that, are, that would be necessary to, to have the, the world prepared, it's already going on. Uh, we've got a worldwide pandemic right now. There is a, there, if there was ever a time when the world was, was ready for one person to stand up and say, uh, I'm ready to lead the entire world, it's now. Uh, and, and I'm not even saying that these are the things that have to happen before, but I'm just saying that everything is set. I, I, if, you know, if you know anything about Revelation chapter 6 through Revelation chapter 19, 
which is the, the time period of the tribulation. Uh, if you know anything about that, seven years of, of the, really the wrath of God upon this earth. Before that takes place, the Bible says that God will take those that, are, that have trusted Christ as Savior and will, will uh, take us up, will translate us, the Bible says, and we'll, we'll go from, in fact, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, which we looked at this morning, if you continue in that, in that uh, thing, it talks about our natural body and our spiritual body. Well, this is the natural body. Someday we'll get a, a spiritual body, and that, that could happen if we're alive at the time. That will happen at the, the rapture of the saints when we are taken up. And uh, when, when, when that takes place, that's when Revelation chapter 6 all the way through Revelation chapter 19 uh, goes on. And before all that stuff starts to happen, chapter 4 and verse 1 happens, heaven opens and somebody goes up. Well, the somebodies that go up are us. And you say, man, that's exciting. I am ready to go. I want to be taken out of this place. Listen, it's more than just leaving here. And this is what we got to keep in mind. And sometimes all we think about is the escape. But remember, when we leave here, we have to face him. We have to see him face to face. And the question is, are you ready? Are you ready to face the Lord Jesus Christ? If your life is, is in order and you're doing that which God would have you to do, you're ready. If not... It doesn't mean you're not going to go. You're still going to go, but you're just not ready to see him face to face. You know, uh, when you expect somebody, and you expect them, you know it, you've planned it already, they're, they're planning on coming to your house. Do you know what you do? At least this is what you should do. I know this is what my wife does. and My mom used to do this all the time. Uh, boy, I tell you, all of a sudden, the house has to be cleaned. <laughs> You know, and everything has to be put in place. And some of the stuff that was just laying around, it can't just lay around. We've got to go hide it in the closet or something, you know. Got to get things just right. Why? Well, because company's coming. Man, company's coming. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. Amen? And uh, we're going to see him someday, and we're going to see him face to face. We need to make things, sure things are in order in our lives. Uh, keep a finger here, but go with me to 1 John chapter 3. And, you know, honestly, I hope that one of the things that this pandemic has done for you has made you realize just how close we are to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, honestly, uh, you don't hear as much talk about it today as we did back, say, in the 70s. In the 70s, man, we heard about the second coming of Jesus Christ all the time time the truth of the matter is we are so much closer now we're, we're we're talking 30 plus 40 about 50 years you know 50 years uh past that point so, so how much closer are we to this to the coming of the lord jesus you say when is he going to come you don't know i don't know we don't know the day or the hour but we need to be we need to be ready and we need to be watching and expectant first john chapter 3 and look in verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, 
Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so, and so uh, one day, we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to be out of this body. We're no longer going to have a sin nature. We're not going to have the, the things that, that hamper us in this physical body. But notice verse 3. All those things are great, but verse 3 says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. We're not purifying ourselves <clears throat> so that we can go. We already know we're going. We already know we're going to see him face to face. But we purify ourselves so that when we do see him, we'll hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that, that brings us back, if you go back to, to Matthew chapter 24 and down in verse 44, Therefore be also ready for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. And then verse 45, Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. The thing that God expects from us is that we be faithful. And uh, we, we, you know, when Jesus Christ comes, I, I, I want to be able to look at him with a smile on my face rather than with my head hung low. I want to look at him because I have, I have made sure that I was, I was pure in my thoughts and my deeds and my doings, that I was trying to serve him with all my heart. Um, if, if you're here listening to this broadcast this evening, you may, be, you, may, you may be watching this broadcast and you don't even know for sure if you died to go to heaven. You're, you're not sure that uh, your sins are all forgiven. Well, it's, it's of utmost importance that you get that thing taken care of. If you're not saved, let me encourage you to trust Christ and Christ alone as your Savior. If you are saved, it's our responsibility to be ready for Christ to come and, and to have our house in order. So we need to be ready. You know, again, the, the title of the, of the message was ready or not. Are you ready or are you not ready? Are you ready to give an answer? Are you ready to do good works? Are you ready to be a blessing? Are you ready to avenge disobedience in your life? Uh, not in other people's lives, in your own life. Are you ready to, to give out the gospel? And are you ready for Jesus Christ to come? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I thank you for the fact that... Uh, you have given us all that we need to have in the Christian life in order to serve you. You haven't just asked us to do things and asked us to be obedient, but you've given us all the tools to be able to show forth that obedience. And Lord, uh, you, one of the things you've told us is you want us to be a ready people. We need to be ready to do all these things that, that we have looked at tonight. Uh, Lord, if... If, if we don't tell people about Jesus Christ, uh, they will not hear. That's why it's so important for us to be obedient in our witness. That's why it's so important for us as a church to send out missionaries all over the world so that the entire world can get the gospel. God, help us tonight to just to be impressed with the fact that we need to be a ready people. And Lord, if there's some, some attitude or action in our life that's preventing us from being ready in any of these areas, I pray that tonight that we take care of that thing 
and that we'd get right with you. Father, work in our hearts tonight during this invitation. And Lord, as, as you speak to hearts, may they respond and respond to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's